this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. Excited to preach a message with you tonight that I can tell you I will not preach long, but I think every time I have ever said that, I always preach long. But I won't tonight, I think. I've got an Old Testament passage that has been burning on my heart for about three weeks or so. It's not content heavy, but I trust that God wants to use it powerfully and, and change the direction of some of our lives, but also change perhaps how we look at our lives and how we view our lives and even how we have a tendency to hold on to things. That image we had the other night at church, I was so struck by it. When you snatch something off a little child, which I have done from time to time, in my inability to deal well with little kids from time to time, is you snatch it off them, but unless you replace it with something better and more amazing and more interesting, you have entered a world of hurt. And I don't know if you've seen this, but you know, if you had to take something off them, our little niece had our little uh, Nintendo Switch controller the other day, and I had to, like, no one was around, I didn't know how this even happened. And I thought, well, I'm gonna, that's my controller for Rocket League. It's very important. <laughs> can't just be using that thing as a car. And so I just, no one was around, no family, I just snatched it off her and ran <laughs> with my dignity. And you know what happens, you know, it's like you have to explain that you're not a bad person and, you know, what you always have to do is you know you've got to switch it and our hearts naturally attach themselves to things that we think we need in order to be happy. All week long, your heart is longing and finding something that it's attaching itself to. A week goes by and you can't even believe you'd say it like this and perhaps you'd never articulate it this way, but it's almost like a week goes by and you think to yourself, I need that in order to be happy. And I Suzu D-Max so I can go my own way. <laughs> if only I was on the take for this kind of advertising. <laughs> and a week transpires and you realize until you sit in an environment of faith, an environment of worship, or even lay your heart bare, you think, how have I spent a week looking at all of these things, thinking all of these things I need in order to be happy? Maybe God has got more for my life than things. And perhaps... The more things I attach myself to in order to be happy, the further I drift from his heart for me. And so with that said, open your Bibles to the Old Testament. Don't be scared. 2 Samuel 23, verse 13. We're going to read a story of King David. I like reading King David. I like reading about his mighty men. It makes you feel tough. Especially when you're not. We didn't win the football, did we, Melissa? Or did we? Melissa, my Kiwi sister. It's all right, got to the breakthrough. Second Samuel 23, verse 13. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, or the cave of Adullam, decide on which side of the river you're from, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. I'm not going to preach this, but notice the attack came during harvest time. 
You see, if the enemy can't get at you directly, he always wants to cut off your supply. Because during harvest time is when you would harvest. <laughs> Brilliant. Went to a farm once. Learned some things. During harvest time, the nation of Israel actually would um, harvest. <laughs> but that was their supply of food for an entire year. And so the enemy is trying to get at David, but because they couldn't get at King David, they thought we could cut off their supply. Can I tell you right now, this will preach, someone should preach this one day. Can I tell you, if the enemy can't take you out, he wants to cut off your supply. He wants to isolate you. He wants to get you away from good people, people of faith. He wants to get you away from settings like this where your heart can get corrected again. He wants to keep you on the fringes so you don't have the supply any longer. That's how the enemy operates. He wants to divide and isolate when he can't get straight at you. It's during harvest time that the Philistines made their attack. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. You need to notice he's here at the cave of Adullam. This isn't the first time David's been at the cave of Adullam. This is the second time he was there. The first time he was on the run yet to be king. Now he was on the run and he was already king and the enemy was rising up against him. Sometimes I think in our faith, we've got to go back to the place. Sometimes it's the cave, but be reminded of the faithfulness of God that he's done it once, he'll do it again. Sometimes you've got to go back to those touchstones of your faith and you've got to go, you know what? I'm in a place of lack right now. I feel like I've been cut off. But remember last time we were here, God was faithful. Oh, you can talk back to me tonight. It's just me. I am wearing my ripped jeans. Don't be scared though. Sometimes you've got to go back to that place where you're reminded of God's faithfulness, where he did provide in the past. And I feel like this wasn't by chance that David was once again back at the cave of Adullam. It was at the cave of Adullam that he began to form his ragtag bunch of men who had one day become his mighty warriors. And now they're all back again, wondering, will God provide? Will he meet their needs? And David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines. They drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is not the blood of men who went at the risk of their own lives And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Tonight I have a title. I never have a title. I never make points and I never have a title. Tonight I'm making no points, but I have a title. I'm excited. Tonight's message is entitled, The Sigh of the King. The Sigh of the King. I've noticed a dynamic shift in our household probably in the last year or so now that we've got an 11-year-old in our house. That wasn't that one there. He's still fairly cute, the other one. And um, I've noticed this dynamic shift and I didn't realise this and if you've got an 11-year-old in your house, you'd know this, but 11-year-olds, after all of that life experience, all of a sudden know everything. Yeah, no one told me that. I thought you had to maybe be, you know, later in life, but no. When you're at 11, you know everything. Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah, okay, sort of, weirdly. It was, it's, it's quite surprising. Know everything about finances, bedtimes, 
Screen time? Discipline processes? The, your mind boggles at the wisdom that God has placed in the heart of an 11-year-old kid. <laughs> Lord, only you could do this. And what happens in our household a fair bit from this interesting season that we're in right now, I don't want to name names. I've only got two kids though. <laughs> and it's not Beck who's got the bad attitude. Um, I'll leave that one. And um, what I've noticed from time to time is there's a lot more sighing that is taking place. A lot more, oh, you know that, with the shoulder roll? Oh, mum. Like I was so close to eating food that I forgot I needed because I was playing video games and didn't realise I was dying of starvation. But now I've stopped and now I'm realising I'm going to die of starvation. I need to unpack the dishwasher first. Oh. And you hear this sigh. But there's another sigh that takes place at the very same time as that sigh. And the other sigh is the sigh from Beck. And it's the same kind of sigh, but it's a different sigh. And it's one of these sighs that goes, I'm, I'm careful here. Just walk in this line and I'm not looking. <laughs> uh, the thing about social distancing is you can't tell who's fighting and who's not. It's like, are they sitting together for, or not? Are they fighting? Who knows? Maybe they're practicing distancing at home. Anyway. There's another sigh that she gives, and it's a sigh that very simply says, I just wish you could do that without me having to ask. The sigh of the king. Sometimes I think that we have got our faith all wrong. Sometimes I think that perhaps we believe that God's primary job is to make me happy that his main role up there with his long beard and all the levers is to bring me personal happiness every day of my life. And anything I select on any given basis, God should really give me that because God's primary job is to make me happy. But perhaps we've read the script all wrong. Perhaps the purpose that God created us for is not for our own personal happiness, but perhaps God has created us to make Him happy. Maybe He invites us to bring joy to His heart as we worship Him, as we find our satisfaction in Him, as we find purpose and fulfillment in Him and truly realize that's what makes His heart happy when we're fulfilled in Him. I find the story interesting that there was three guys there, but only three responded. I have a thought and a theory, perhaps there was more than three people in the room at the time, or the cave as it were, but only three responded. See, proximity is always different to intimacy. You could have a room full of a hundred people, but only three of them were listening to the heart of the King. Or maybe it's another side. Maybe everybody heard it, but only three decided to respond to it. Because you can be close and yet not that close at all. I find it amazing that these three men broke through the lines of Bethlehem, but something began to happen as they broke through the lines of Bethlehem. As the story would unfold, this was a pivotal moment as they responded to the sigh of the king because it did something for the army. They realized if three men could break through the enemy lines and take back what they've stolen, then we can win this war. 
the turning point. See, you only need a few people to respond to the heart of the king to turn the current of a whole culture, a whole group. But where I really want to go with this tonight is this very, very simple thought, and you probably already know where I'm heading. Sometimes we think that our faith is just commands and edicts and things that He forces us to do because I don't know if God wants me to be happy, but He just keeps on telling me He wants me to do these things. And we live our lives on the peripheral of merely hearing commands. And perhaps I'm even speaking to people tonight that you know your relationship with God is full of commands, do's and do nots. And what have I got to do or not do just to scrape my way into heaven? And when we live our lives on the edges of the king, the king's kingdom, well, I didn't know that was going to be sad to say. When we live, hold on. Oh, I've used a lot of words today. I'm right at my word count. When we live our lives on the edge of the king's kingdom, all we ever hear is commands. Do this, but do not do that. Go there, but do not go there. And we live our lives on the fringes of the king's palace, but the king's desire is not that you would only ever live in a relationship where you hear the commandments and you hear the edicts and you're you're on the edges of the kingdom. The king's desire is that you would be close to his heart, to hear his sigh. You notice what happens in this text is the king did not command the men to go out. It wasn't a statement. He didn't force anybody to go. And yet, at great personal risk to their own lives, they risked everything, their entire life, all at the sigh of a king. See, if your relationship consists mainly of the things that you can and can't do, and your relationship consists of mainly your walk with God is a long list of things to avoid in life, then I can tell you right now, maybe you're living at the edges of the kingdom of God. But his desire is not that you'd only respond to commands, but his desire is that you would hear the sigh of his heart. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's so fundamental that we understand that our relationship with God is not a boss-employer relationship. If you're working right now, you should have a contractual arrangement with your boss They do this, but you do that, and you get a paycheck. And if you're not getting a paycheck, you should probably get that checked out. But it's easy to carry a boss-employee relationship into your walk with God, but that's not God's intention at all. In fact, if you have that mindset right now, that is why your walk with God is so religious, dry, and boring, because you have a contractual understanding. Lord, I'll go to church. I'll I'll give. I'll, I'll raise both hands. All right, fine. Both hands to heaven, as long as you keep on making me happy. When we carry a boss-employee relationship into our relationship with God, that's all we have. But He doesn't want that. He wants a dynamic of a closeness, a proper relationship. I remember when Beck and I were dating. Perhaps some of you are dating right now, whatever the case may be. You're always looking for the sigh of the person you're dating, aren't you? Oh, Oda, have a donut from No Dough Donuts. Maple bacon pecan. Oda, have a croissant from Where's that place that you go all the time, Peachy? Hugs. Oh, to have Thanks for helping me, mate. <laughs> oh, to have a croissant. When when you're dating, 
you are always looking and longing for the sigh of that person you're with. We do it all the time. That's why some of you drive all over town for that person, because you're still trying to impress them. When you're married, it's still like that. (laughs) Isn't it, darling? Praise God. Amen. God's good. But you know what it's like when you're dating, you're always waiting for that that sigh, and you want to flood their life with the size that they've requested. If I was to survey people right now, you'd say all kinds of strange things. You know, someone here likes soft-serve cones from McDonald's and they want that with a flake in it and they want that in the middle of the night or something. And you go, yep, no problem, I'll go grab that, you know. That's the thing, that's great. Some of you, it could be getting one of those crazy little Portuguese custard tarts. Anybody? No, this is just me, actually. Yeah, this is just me. I love those little things, especially warm. I don't know where they come from. I did find them at the supermarket and they're nowhere near as good. But in a relationship like that, a dynamic like that, I think you catch my point, you are always longing and waiting to hear the sigh. Can I tell you, that's the kind of relationship that God extends to you and I. That's the kind of sigh that Jesus wants to have in your life, that actually you hear the sigh of the King, you let things go or you run after things, not because you're commanded to, not because Nathan said you have to or the preacher says you've got to or your life group leader says you need to give this up. No, you do it all because of the sigh of the King. And can I ask you tonight, perhaps what that looks like for you, Is there something in your own life that perhaps God is pressing on that He is longing for you to step towards and it's not that He's commanding you to do something or to not do something, but He just says, basically, I wish they would let that go. Oh, if they could just give that up. If they would hand that to me. If they would stop pursuing that, if they would finally turn that peace over to me. You see, at the end of the day, I I am fully committed to believe that God is either good for meeting our needs completely and wholly and deeply, or He's not. When Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 that I was given a thorn in my flesh and three times I pleaded with the Lord and the Lord said back to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my power is made perfect in weakness. Do you know what's happening there? Jesus is telling Paul, hey, look, there is something going on, but I will satisfy you deeply. I will turn things around. I am actually good for it. It comes to a point in our faith where we have to realize that God is either good for it Or you've got to make it happen on your own. God is either good for giving you His life and life more abundantly that is available to you and I now, today, or He's not at all. And it's not until we come to that place where we realize that we need to be people who don't live on the fringes of God's kingdom, but He wants you to be so close to hear the size of His heart. I can't imagine how this would have looked to those on the outside looking in. You think about it. Entire army sees three men rig up and go out with minimal supplies. And everyone's looking at them. And they're wondering what they're doing. They're wondering where they're headed. It would be easy for the people on the outside looking in, thinking to themselves, well, obviously the king has told them they've got to go. Obviously, if they didn't go, they'd have their heads cut off. Obviously, they've been pressured into it. Can you imagine the interview on the way back and you're saying, why did you guys do it? Did the, did the king make you do it? Did the king force his hand and say, I need that water? No, there was plenty of water in the cave of Adullam, but this was a special request. 
Perhaps there was this idea that even that circulated the army saying, hey, why were you guys going? Simply because the king sighed. Simply because it wasn't a request. Simply because I heard his heart. Can I tell you right now? Could you imagine being people who hear the sigh of the king on a regular basis? Could you imagine how countercultural it would begin to look in our lives to be people that responded merely to the sigh of the king, not because we have to, not because we must, but because we want to run after him with all that we've got? Culturally, it begins to take on a life of its own. Tim, you can come and join me. Culturally, it begins to take on a life of its own. Very often we think that our faith is predominantly the things that we don't do and even this message leans itself a little bit that way but I believe this is more about taking ground than being defensive our entire lives. Think about it like this. On the outside people are actually looking, why did you do that? But I think the same can be said for your life when you make a decision to respond to the heart of the king. So, why did you give up that career to go in a completely different direction? Did someone tell you to do it? Is that church forcing you to do things again you don't want to do? No. I just heard the sigh of the king one day. And I heard the sigh of the king and it was a voice that I've never heard before and it beckoned me and it called me. And so my life was headed this direction and now I'm going this way. Well, why aren't you going along with all of us? We're all going here. You used to come out with us all the time. You used to do all this kind of thing. Something happened. What? I just heard the sigh of the king. I heard just this sigh one day. And it was not an audible voice, but it was a sense that God was saying, hey, I've got so much more for you. Oh, it's that church again. It's that guy up there. He's telling you all this stuff. No, 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 no. The reason I'm not going, the reason I'm going this way, I just heard the sigh of the king one day. And I realized that this king is not like any earthly king. This king actually is not like anything else or anyone else I've ever experienced, but this king has life for me. And for some reason, every time I respond to the sigh of the king, the sigh of the king gets louder. And it increases in my life. The volume of the king increases. And it started with one little decision, and it was a Thursday afternoon, and I followed the sigh of the king. And since that moment, my life has been typified by moment after moment, the sigh of the king in my life. And I just imagine a church a generation of people who don't live on the fringes of their faith, the people who don't just wait for a command, the people that aren't just trying to get their passport into heaven and scrape through life, but people that make a decision that, Lord, I'm just going to respond to your size. I'm going to place your happiness above my own personal happiness. Uh, perhaps I'm going to flip the script of my life right now and begin to let go of things that I thought I needed in order to be happy because there's something that this king downloads into your life when you make that decision and it's his life and life more abundantly. 
Let me close with this. Team, you can come and join me. The reason why I can preach this, the reason why I can challenge you with this, is because if I was to flip the script right now, it's because Jesus ultimately knew the sighs and longings of our hearts. The reason why we can live this out and respond to his sighs is because he first responded to our sigh. Because our deep sigh is for relationship with God. And we can try and fill it with all kinds of things, all kinds of lifestyle choices and career and all those things. And yet the deep sigh of every heart, the thing that we truly thirst for is relationship with the living God. And the reason why we can have that is because Jesus heard the sigh of our heart He didn't just break through the enemy lines, he smashed the enemy lines and in fact went all the way through, gave up his life so that what? He would be poured out for you and I. And he says in John 7, hey, you know what? If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and streams of living water, streams of eternal life will well up from that person. The reason why we can respond to the sigh of the king is because he first and foremost responded to our sigh of our heart. He brings deep satisfaction and deep nourishment to our lives. Let me pray for us. Why don't you for a moment just bow your heads and close your eyes just to allow God to speak to you. Just to let perhaps the sigh of the King to take a hold of your heart for a few moments. I have no doubt in my mind that for every one of us there are things. We spend our weeks and our days with things grabbing our attention. They might start with our imagination and thought life and they begin to infiltrate our hearts and they become desires and these desires become things that we say, I need this in order to be happy. Maybe tonight under the sound of my voice, even as I began to share this message and you could kind of tell where I was heading, you know what the side of the king is for you and you know what it is. And tonight I want to pray for you that you would have the courage to not block out the voice, to not be one of the many that hears it but doesn't respond, to not be someone that tries to stay at the fringes and on the edges of faith, but would you hear his sigh for you tonight and respond? For some of us, it's massive seismic shifts. It's actually saying, I'm not going to pursue that thing I was going to pursue. For maybe some of us, the sigh of the king is very subtle and small tonight. Maybe it's a little detail in your life that you've been hanging on to and he's saying, just let it go tonight, let it go. I've got more for you. I don't know what it is, but I know that by his Holy Spirit here and right now, for every one of us, he has a sigh for us that he wants us to let go of. And if you know what that is tonight, I want you to just in your own way, just put your hand on your heart. Say, God, I know what your sigh is for me. Now I'm going to stop it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to run a different direction. I'm going to change the course of my life. Just in your own way, put your hand on your heart. Say, Lord, I know this. I know what the sigh of the King is for me. And I'm not just going to listen and not do anything about it. I'm going to begin to run and break through. Father, we don't want to be people that live at the edges of our faith and only ever have a static and dry relationship with commandments. Lord, we don't want to read the Word of God as a rule book things for us to keep and try and do and try and achieve. 
Father, we know that because of Jesus tonight, you extend a dynamic relationship towards each of us. A relationship you want us to walk in and talk in and to know. And so tonight for my life and our lives and those responding, I pray you turn up the voice of the King. Lord, that we hear your sighs. God, that we would be responsive to what you have for us. We would choose to break through. We choose to change direction. Not because we have to. Not because we're told to. We want to please you, Lord. And we know that pleasing you in and of itself is its own reward. We thank you, Lord, that as we do that, as we respond to merely your size, you satisfy us deeply. You cause your life more abundantly to flow into us. You change the atmosphere of our hearts. We thank you, Jesus.